I know that I'm probably a little partial since that's my granddaughter, but I think uh, she is precious. And she is with us for the very first time today. So, Sawyer, little Sawyer Elizabeth. And uh, actually, she was with us on Wednesday, but uh, she kind of snuck in and snuck out. But today, she's, she's loud and proud right in the front row. So, amen. So, I, I wanted to, uh, first of all, you know what? I just can't get over what God has already done in this service. Is, isn't God just amazing? Man, he just gives you what you need when you need it, doesn't he? He just shows up in the middle of, of your situation and speaks into your life and, and talks to you and meets your need. And I'm just, uh, I'm grateful for that today. And I'm, I'm thankful that, uh, that he already moved. I feel like, like I could just skip preaching and we could just go right on home, you know. And, and God has already done his thing this morning. I'm not going to do that, but I, I feel like I could, you know. But, uh, but we're going to put this message uh, that the Lord laid in my heart. We're going to get it out today. If you would turn in the meantime to Acts chapter 3. Uh, we have been in a series uh, in the book of Acts uh, since April started. Um, we, we kicked off right after Easter and dove into Acts. And the, uh, the Acts of the Apostles is the full name of that book. And I said we could add a caveat to the end of that. And it could be the Acts of the Apostles under the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we're talking about living an empowered life and, and what that looks like for each of us and how the Holy Spirit moving wasn't just for the first century church. Amen. But the first century church kicked off and uh, and the and the Holy Spirit moving uh, was for the church as a whole. So he so the Holy Spirit kicked off in the first century church and continues to work today, as we saw this morning. Amen. Uh, that everything the Holy Spirit does, you may be new to church or, or new to this type of church, and you may have heard a uh, what happened on the stage, a tongue and interpretation, and you, maybe you're not familiar with that. Uh, let me tell you, that is called a, a tongue and an interpretation, and it's all throughout Scripture, and Paul talks about it a lot, but that is an act of the Holy Spirit. That's a supernatural moment where the Holy Spirit speaks through someone in tongues and then gives the another person an interpretation of that. And that was a supernatural moment that happened this morning. And we're thankful for that. Amen. So uh, why don't you go ahead and give God praise in the moment. I, I know you want to. Amen. Uh, before we dive into scripture, I just want to give a, a shout out. We had a, a team of people that showed up here a few Saturdays ago and started bush hogging and cleaning up the back 20. Uh, I, I started calling it the back 20 because we sit on 20 acres, right? And uh, in the very back is, is a pavilion that has full electric and, and water ran to it. And it's set up and perfect. It's right past what used to be the baseball slash softball diamond, the softball field. That will be a baseball softball field again, right? Right? We're going to get it there. Uh, but in the meantime, right past that is a pavilion, uh, and they showed up and bush hogged and just did a whole bunch of work back there. And you can actually see the pavilion from the church parking lot now. So before you couldn't even see it, it was, it was kind of overgrown. Uh, now we can see it, and I'm just thankful for that team. Would you give a hand clap of appreciation for them? So grateful. So Rodney Wood has been leading the charge on that and, and getting some guys together to, to really go back there and make a difference, and they sure have been. And, uh, and we're just starting, so uh, look for some, some events we'll plan soon. As soon as we get that pavilion area completely done, uh, we will have some, some events back there, and, and uh, we'll get it going. Amen? Uh, 
So uh, just to give you some more praise reports and vision casting, some of you are new to the church and you may not even know, you know, what we've been doing the last couple of years, but some of you have been with us the last couple of years and God gave Jessica and I a vision when we came in almost exactly two years ago uh, this month. Uh, gave us a vision to, to kind of rebuild the facilities, rebuild the walls, and, and spend a lot of time and effort uh, remodeling and refurbishing and doing what needed to, to be done. When we first got here uh, two years ago, there were six air conditioning units that were not functioning. Uh, I'm glad to say that on May 5th, the last air conditioning unit of those six will be replaced, and that's this uh, south balcony unit. Uh, so that has happened. Also something that happened is our youth building got remodeled. I don't know if you know that. We haven't been using the youth building because it needed, it needed a lot of work. Well, I want to give a big shout out to Jim and Cindy Oldenkamp who came in, gave of their time, gave of their energy, gave of their talents, uh, and remodeled the youth facility. So the, uh, and also Charlie DeFazio, which is right over here, who spent some time working in there as well, and so grateful for you too, sir. Uh, you guys did a great job. We're almost done in there, so we have carpet on order, uh, and as soon as the carpet squares get installed, uh, we're going to set it up, and youth will be meeting down there every Wednesday night. So, so I'm very, very grateful for their work, and, and I'm so excited about that. So if you would, I know you've done it three times, but let's give the Lord some praise again, amen? Just give him a shout. There we go. Had it on the wrong side. Acts chapter 3, we're going to start reading in verse 1, and it reads like this. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked for alms, and that means he was asking for money, uh, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Uh, let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for the opportunity just to be in your, in your house, Lord, and to, to read your word this morning and to study it and, and think about it and apply it to our lives. Father, I pray that your anointing would rest on me today as I, as I preach uh, this message, Lord, that you've laid in my heart. I pray, Father, that we would all have hearts that are open and ready to receive whatever it is you have for us today. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody said... Amen. So as we move into Acts chapter 3, we see a notable transition for the church. Everybody, go ahead and look at one of your neighbors and say transition. Transition. 
right? So we see the church in a notable transition. They're in a space and time where everything is different than it's ever been before. The church is a first century church. This is the first church that ever existed. And Jesus spent three years putting together this group of people and teaching them what the church was supposed to do, what the church was supposed to look like, how the church was supposed to behave, how the church was supposed to walk, right? The, the supernatural events that were supposed to come out of the church. Jesus taught them and spent uh, three years and then he ascended into heaven and when he ascended into heaven he left uh, them prepared and ready to do what it is that God had asked them to do. Uh, how many of you know when, when God asks you to do something you don't always feel prepared to do it? Right. We've talked about that the last couple of weeks, how when God speaks into your life and asks you to do something, you don't always feel prepared. Sometimes, as a matter of fact, you feel ill prepared. Uh, I've been preaching for about 12 years and almost every time I preach, I still get nervous before I step uh, behind this desk, before I step behind this table up here. I still get nervous. And you say, well, Pastor Steve, what is wrong with you? If you've been preaching that long, you shouldn't be nervous anymore. No, it's not that. It's that uh, it carries such weight to preach and teach the gospel that I don't ever want to take it for granted. I don't ever want to get up here in a, in a wrong state or, or get up here too flippantly uh, when God is about to do something to rock somebody's world. I want to be a part of it. Amen. I don't want to get up and do my own thing. I want to get up and do what God says we're supposed to do in that moment. Uh, so that's a heavy moment. So, so we spent these weeks in Acts with it, and they, were, they were, had the physical presence of Jesus for three years, but then all of a sudden they don't have the physical presence of Jesus, uh, but they have the Holy Spirit. So Jesus said, I'm going, but I'm going to send you another, and that other is going to get you further than I got you in these three years, right? And you say, well, how could that possibly be when that's Jesus, the Son of God? Uh, because Jesus was in earthly body, and he was in certain places and with certain people, but the Holy Spirit is spiritual body and can be in every believer worldwide doing a work at the same time, right? So the Holy Spirit was sent to take the church a little further than they had ever been, a lot further than they had ever been and the Holy Spirit was sent to empower the church to do something amazing right so the church exponentially grows and leaders uh, the leaders who had been percolating the last three years like good coffee right percolating like those Keurigs up in the lobby that you just get drip 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 and it's coffee just just pouring through and you get that smell how many of you like the smell of coffee Right, coffee smells pretty good, right? Uh, these leaders had been percolating under Jesus' leadership and Jesus' teaching, uh, and they were prepared that as soon as the Holy Spirit came on them and they were equipped, then they knew what it was they were supposed to do. Amen? Is, is that, that means they were supposed to go build buildings with nice carpet and AC and, and, uh, and just sit and gather together, right? Oh, no. That, oh, I'm sorry. That's not what they, that's not what they equipped the church to do. Uh, they equipped pastors to go uh, uh, work at the church and sit in their office and never talk to anybody, right? No, that's not what they equipped the church to do, right? They equipped the church to see and do supernatural things, right? And, and here in the United States of America, I'm, I'm afraid that we have gotten away uh, from what the Holy Spirit is equipping us to do, which is a supernatural work of the gospel and to see people's lives changed, amen? That there's too many churches who are standing there and they're saying us four and no more. We don't want any more people because every time we get more people, we get headaches. And I'm 
telling you today that we are not that church. We want everybody that'll come. We want them to come from the north, the south, the east, and the west. We got room for them. Amen. I see lots of empty seats here this morning. We got space for people who need to come and get their life changed. Amen. We got space for people who need to see a supernatural move of the Holy Spirit so that they can have their lives and their hearts transformed. Say transitioned. We need to see people transitioned by the power of the Holy Spirit. But I want to say to you this morning that transitioning ain't always easy. Amen. How many of you agree with that this morning? You've been in some transitions in your life, and transitioning ain't always easy. Transitioning is tough at times. When you ask my older daughter when she first started driving and she learned how to transition from one lane to another, and the first time she tried it, she sideswiped a minivan, right? Transitioning ain't always easy, right? Sometimes there's, there's, there's a little bit of clashing, and sometimes there's some clanging, and sometimes there's some dents in your bumper, uh, but transitioning, how many of you know, is necessary, when you're driving up 44 and you got somebody going 38 miles an hour in the fast lane, transitioning is necessary, right? You got to get over in the, in the slow lane to pass somebody and you drive by and just shake your head. How many of you do that? I know you do, right? Some, three, three brave people admitting it, right? And, and some of y'all are like, I do more than shave my head. Now listen now, I'm not, I'm not saying that you need to act a fool, uh, but walk, driving by and shaking your head's okay, because I do, <laughs> we, we do that, amen? So transitioning is important. I remember growing up, uh, I transitioned a lot, right? My dad, uh, Papa was a rolling stone, so, so dad liked to move, right? And uh, my dad and mom moved uh, me 19 times from the time I was in kindergarten uh, until the time I was in ninth grade, right? I moved 19 times, started school, 19 new days of school. How many of you think, know that transition was tough, right? Uh, most of the time it was from West Virginia to Florida. And how many of you know that West Virginia and Florida are about as different as different can be? When I went from West Virginia uh, to Florida, I had an issue. It was acceptance because I was an outsider from West Virginia. When I went from, West Virgi or from Florida to West Virginia, it was acceptance because I was an outsider from Florida, right? Uh, uh, when I went from West Virginia to Florida after spending some time, how many of you know your accent changes? My accent changed. I would come from West Virginia to Florida, and I would say words like uh, that are supposed to be pronounced antenna, and I would say antania. Right, because I was from West Virginia. Or if I said hi to somebody, and hi is how we say it here in Florida, if I said hi to somebody, it would be hi. Right? They leave all the rest of it off, right? It's just hi. How you doing? Hi, right? So I, I, I transitioned a lot from Florida to West Virginia, and the culture was different every single time. The culture was tough. Can I tell you, in Florida, teachers require you to say yes, ma'am, and yes, sir. Right, because we're in the South, amen? When we're in the South, you, 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 you're going to work on that stuff, right? you got to say yes, ma'am, and yes, sir. In West Virginia, when I went back there, if I said yes, ma'am, or yes, sir, how many of you know I got in trouble? Tim, is, is that, that the truth? Your, your teachers are like, are you calling me old? Like, are you calling me old right now? And I'm like, no, I'm just being polite. You know, I'm just, it's just, it's, it's a Southern thing, you know. But I got in trouble when I did it. And how many of you know that every single time I moved from West Virginia to Florida or Florida to West Virginia, I had to fight physically. People would literally want to fight just because you were new. 
right? So transitioning isn't easy, and, and I've lived a life of transition, and that's why I think transitioning for me nowadays as an adult may be a lot easier than it is for other people, right? Because I lived a life of transition coming in. But for most of us, when we go through a transition or a season of transition or a moment of transition, it's something that we dread. Like, we dread it. How many of you like your stuff where it is? You like living where you're at. You like doing what you're doing. You like being uh, where you are. You like, you like being how you are, right? You just don't want to transition. Like, you're okay with you and, where, and all you're at and everything going on. Even though some things uh, disturb you, you still don't want to transition out of it because that disturbance is still yours, right? That stuff that messes with you is still yours, and you just don't want to transition out of it. Uh, all of us are currently transitioning somehow, some way. Some people in this room are transitioning into a new job. Some people in this room may be transitioning into a new marriage. Some people into a new relationship. Some people are relocating from one area to another. We have some folks in our church who just relocated here from another area, right? Everybody is in some state of transition. You may be transitioning out of something in your life. You may be transitioning out of a toxic relationship. You might be transitioning out of a harmful lifestyle. You might be transitioning out of loneliness or out of addiction, or you may just simply be changing seasons. And how many of you know when you're changing seasons, you're also transitioning? Transitionings are also happening in your season. Your season may be like my season, and you're just growing older, right? You, you wake up one day, and you got two grandkids, and you don't even know how it happened, right? You're like, I am way too young for this. Like, I don't even know where these little people came from, Right? It's like, they came out of my little people? What? You know, this is weird, right? You may be growing older and you're struggling with growing older, right? Some of y'all sitting in this room got, got kids in high school right now, and you're making fun of me because I got grandkids. Let me tell you, it sneaks up on you. Before you know it, you're going to have a lot more gray hair than you used to have, and you're going to have little ones running around your house that you didn't birth, right? It happens. Uh, so, so growing older may be a thing. Some of you are transitioning out of retirement. I know a couple of people in our, in our church just recently retired, and it's a transitional moment in your life. Some of you are transitioning into empty nesters. All of a sudden, you won't have any, anybody living in your house but you and your spouse. And how many of you know then it's important, it's really important that you get along at that moment, right? So if you're about to be empty nesters, you better start working on your marriage right now because pretty soon it's just going to be you two staring at each other over a cup of coffee in the morning. And you need to know how to have a conversation. Amen? So it might be empty nesters. It might be that your first child is born, like this beautiful couple on the front row. Or it might be that you moved into your first home. Or it might be that you started college. Or it might be that you're currently dealing with grief or dealing with betrayal or something happened in your life that shook you to the core and you're transitioning. Everybody is transitioning in some way or another. Everybody in this room is in some way in, in transition. You may be in small transition, or you might be in large transition. You might be in transition of your choosing, or you might be in forced transition. Uh, but everybody in this room is in transition in some way. Transitioning through external circumstances, although still hard, is oftentimes easier than transitioning through internal circumstances. There's a couple of different areas of transition that we could be going through in our life. And external circumstances transition us oftentimes whether we like it or not. 
Sometimes when external circumstances happen in our life, they transition us whether we like it or not. We didn't want transition, but suddenly an external circumstance came into our life and forced us and caused us to transition. And, and while changing internal circumstances requires desire and drive. How many of you know you can live with internal circumstances a lot longer than you can live with external circumstances? Things that are going on inside of you that need to change and need to be healed, you can keep pushing them down until, until you can't any longer, right? Uh, things happen that propel us into transition a lot of times in our life. Sometimes external circumstances just pop up and rear its ugly head in our life, and it just pushes you into transition. How many of you have been forced into transition before? Right. God forced me into transition into ministry. I, I, man, I, I loved the Lord and I got saved and I was serving him and I was doing his work. But I sure liked my position and my job and I sure liked the money that I was making. Right. And it came to a moment where God waited on me long enough to make that transition on my own. And when I did not make that transition on my own, he, he created an external circumstance to make that transition for me. And, right. And I didn't have a, a whole lot of choice in the matter. I was like, OK, Lord, I get it. I understand. You want me in ministry. And I moved on. Right. Sometimes external things happen and pop up in your life and it just pushes you. It pushes you into transition. And that is hard for people who don't like to transition. That is hard for people who don't like change in their life. How many of you are brave enough to say, I don't like change? There you go. You're brave enough to just say it. Like, I don't like change. I like where I'm at, doing what I'm doing, being who I am, right? I don't like to change. But, but things that external are things that propel us into transition versus knowing something in us needs to change and having the desire and the drive to suddenly take those steps to create the, and to help God uh, create that change inside of us that needs to happen. We can live with our own junk for a real long time as long as it's not creating any external circumstances. But the moment it creates an external circumstance, it not only makes you uncomfortable, it makes other people that are within your circle uncomfortable. And when external circumstances happen, you got to change because guess what? Now it's not private any longer, but it becomes public. Amen. Amen. So in the book of Acts, doesn't necessarily name the man. It, it just calls him the lame man laying on a gate. And if you're new to the Bible or you're new to Scripture, uh, what it means is this guy could not walk. Right. He was he was probably a paraplegic. So he, he didn't have the use of his legs and he was laying at the gate. He could not walk. So it, so it doesn't name the man in the story. But how many of you know it gives us some of his history? It gives us his history. These, this is what we know about him. Number one, he couldn't walk from birth. He had always been this way, and he was found himself incapacitated. He, he couldn't move on his own, right? He was this way from birth. The second thing we know about him is that someone carried him to the temple each and every day. So every day, obviously, somebody in his life that loved him picked him up and carried him to the temple gate that was known as the beautiful gate so that he could ask for money to the temple goers and those who came three times a day to pray at the temple. He would sit there at the gate all day and ask for alms. He would ask for money. The third thing is he was in the same place every day for at least all of his adult life, and that was at the church house. He was at the church house every day in his incapacitated position, begging alms and asking for change from people who came in and came out of the church praying to God. 
He was there every single day at the church house, right? The fourth thing is he, I just said this, but he begged three times a day as people entered the temple. I wonder how many of us relate to the lame man in this story in the moment in different ways. That as I read out his history, you might have received or heard or understand some of your own history in the reading of his history. You may have heard some stuff that that maybe sounded a little too close to home where you might be residing and living. Uh, So let's look at this. So how many of us are dealing with an issue that incapacitates us? Maybe you have the use of your legs today, but you're dealing with an issue on the inside that keeps you frozen so that you can't move. That keeps you frozen so that you can't grow. That keeps you in position so that you can't start to climb that ladder of spiritual uh, stuff that God has stored up for you. And God is saying, if you just take this next step, I have this for you in your life. If you just take this next step, can I tell you today that the enemy won't have control of that area of your life any longer. If you just take this next step, you'll see a deliverance come upon your life like you never knew before. If you just take this next step, you'll be walking in more power and authority. You'll be walking in the authority of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. If you just take this next step. But some of us come to the church house and we sit here incapacitated. But it's it's an invisible incapacitation. And not everybody that sees you knows you're dealing with this issue. Maybe only your spouse or your closest people in your life know you're dealing with this issue. And it's an incapacitation that's on the inside. But can I tell you today, that's just because it's on the inside doesn't mean God doesn't want to change it in your life. So we're dealing with this, this, these things that incapacitate us. Secondly, so, so we depend on others to get us through basic situations. All right, this is a hard one for a pastor to preach, so I'm going to pretend for a moment I'm not your pastor. Pretend I'm an evangelist, and I blew in, I'm blowing out after the service. Sometimes the Lord wants you to deal with the thing that incapacitates you. And the Lord has been speaking to you about dealing with this thing that incapacitates you and stops you from growing and stops you from doing the things that you're supposed to do. And the the Lord has asked you to deal with it and you haven't dealt with it. So it's kept you limited in the power and the authority that God has asked you to walk in. So much so that when basic storms come into your life, you are grappling and reaching out for somebody to cling on to. When if you were walking in the authority and the power that God meant for you to walk in, you wouldn't have to make a phone call in that moment, but you could just stand up and stretch your shoulders back and raise your head and go, devil, who are you to mess with me? Trying to stick to my notes today. So we're dealing with an issue that incapacitates us. We depend on others to get through basic situations that God has called you to stand up and step on the head of. Right? Basic situations that God has said, you already have authority and power to step on the heads of serpents and scorpions. Why are you scrambling for the phone to call the pastor in that moment when all you have to do is stand up with the Holy Spirit inside of you and step on that thing? 
right? Okay, evangelist is gone. Pastor is back. Until you are ready to do that on your own, pastors are here for you. Pastors will walk through that with you. Pastors will help you. But part of the job of the pastor is also to equip you. It's to equip you and grow. So that means that throughout these messages and throughout these sermons and as we move through Acts and in this series, that when you recognize there's things that need to change in you because you're not walking the way you're supposed to be walking, then you've got to take some initiative and begin to get on your knees and pray, God, I need you to move on this situation in my life because I want some of that power and authority that Pastor was preaching about Sunday morning. I want to be able to stand on my own two feet when the enemy comes at me. I want to be able, Lord, teach me to box in this moment. Lord, Teach me to, to put a whooping on the, on the devil, Lord. Teach me to drive those demonic spirits out of my house that keep messing with me and my family and my kids. Teach me to stand up in this moment, right? That if we begin to seek what God says you can have, then guess what? You can start to operate in those things in your life. And then basic storms that come along don't have to take you out. And basic storms that blow against you don't have to topple you over because you can stand in strength. Amen? You can stand in strength. So we go to the, the church every week or, or in the church consistently dealing with our incapacitated insides. And nobody knows about it because we're never honest enough to come out with it and say, I need help in this area. We're never even honest enough to go before God and say, God, I'm dealing with this situation. And he already knows, but he's waiting on you to bring it up. He's waiting on you to come to him in prayer and say, okay, Lord, you know I'm dealing with this. I need you to take it. I need you to release it from my life, Lord. I need you to help me stomp on it and step on it and walk out of it. Lord, give me the power and the authority and the strength that I need in this situation. But then publicly, uh, we're, we're in church and we're saying amen and hallelujah and how you doing, brother? And if I was any better, there would be two of me. We say, how you doing today, sister? And you say, I am too blessed to be stressed. And although I believe in calling things that aren't as though they are, uh, I don't believe in, in continuing to deal with a situation deep down inside of you that you can go to a brother or a sister that you trust in prayer and say, help me pray this demon off of my back. That when you're dealing with something, don't come to the church every week, weekend out, and, and pretend like you're not struggling. But begin to, to walk in authority and get other people around you that already walk in authority. Amen. Can I tell you, there's a lot of women and men in this church who already walk in authority. Who already have the experience and the know-how and the knowledge and the scriptural background uh, and, the, and the spiritual pedigree. The spiritual pedigree. Not who their daddy and mom and them was. I'm talking about a spiritual pedigree. They have been through the thick and the thin. They have been through every situation that could come against a person in their life. And God has seen them through. And because of that, they walk in a newness and an authority. And they walk in a power that you haven't even seen before. And when they unleash that on you in your own life and you get a taste of that, you're going to be begging God for the change that you see in them. So we find ourselves begging privately for change. The beggar sat at the beautiful gate and he said, any change, alms, 
alms for the poor, change for the poor, change for the poor. And then Christians today are walking into church saying, in the inside, spiritually, God, do you have any change for the spiritually poor? God, do you have any change? God, do you have any change? And we're begging for change. We're begging for it. Sometimes you need a transition in your life, and you know it. But you don't transition because you don't have the energy to try it. The battle, you're battle-weary. You've been through so much already that you're scared to, you're scared to even try to confront the devil. You've been through so much already that when the phone rings, you get anxiety in your gut because you think it's another bad phone call. You've been through so much already that some, the littlest thing in your life triggers instant fear that takes over your head and takes over your heart, and takes over your mind, and incapacitates you. And it's the littlest thing that could happen, and it incapacitates you in the moment. And God is saying, my child, I have not called you to walk around carrying and nursing like a newborn baby, that spirit of fear that's in your life. Stick to my notes. You don't have the energy to try. Two, you're afraid of change. You're afraid of what it's going to look like if you've got to fight your own battles. You're afraid of what it's going to look like if you actually stand up to the enemy in your life. You're afraid of being strong. You prefer to be weak, and you prefer other people to carry you so that you can continue to beg for just enough change to get you by day to day. And in this moment, it's a spirit of fear in your life, and you're nursing it. But I'm asking you today, set it down. Set it down. Quit nursing that spirit of fear in your life, but let it go. Set it down. Let it out. Don't keep a hold of it in your life any longer. Amen. There's, there's somebody in this room today that's dealing with a spirit of fear so heavy that it capacitates you. And even the thought of confronting it makes you quiver in fear. Even the thought of confronting it makes you shake in your boots. Can I tell you today that there is nothing on this planet that you as a child of God have to walk around in fear of? Nothing. Nothing. Walk in authority. Walk in power. Walk in who God created you to be. So, so you either don't have the energy to try. You're afraid to change. You don't think it's possible. Maybe you've lost your faith. You're comfortable in your situation. You've learned to put up with it and deal with it and, and deal with, with just where you're at. So, so you just put up with it and you're comfortable in that situation. Uh, and, and put it in other words, you're used to the mess. How many of you know we can get so used to our mess that we can continue to live in it? If you don't believe me, you ever watch Hoarders? The TV show called Hoarders. People get so used to their mess that they live in it. And they can't even imagine having a cleaned out open space to walk through in their house. Can't even imagine it. 
because they get so used to the mess that they think it's normal. Well, I'm here to tell you today as your pastor that spiritually, if you're dealing with an issue that incapacitates you and creates messes in your life, that is not normal for a child of God. That is not normal. I'm telling you today that you can stand up and you can confront that issue and you can walk in a new victory. You can walk, you can walk in it. This is my breakthrough. It's my breakthrough. You can, you can begin to walk in that breakthrough. This is my victory. It's my victory. Some of y'all need to just start singing that out loud if you're going through the situation. Thank you, Jesus, for my breakthrough. Thank you, Jesus, for my victory. Right? And we begin to sing that and just shout that in your life and begin to stand up. And listen, until you can stomp on the heads of snakes, at least start stomping on the heads of worms that are around your life. <laughs> right? Start somewhere. At least step on a cockroach or something. Take your authority on, some, on something, right? I got way off track there. I'm sorry. Sorry, messing with you. But sometimes we need that transition. Oh, here, here's another one I, I left out of the slide. We don't transition in the moment because we think we have it under control. Yeah, it's a mess. Yeah, it's a mess. But you know what? I, I've got this thing. I've got it under control. It, it's not going to get away from me, right? I, I, I see some, some riders in the house. It's like, it's like jumping on a 1,500-pound bike, and all you've ever rode was a, was a 50cc scooter. Right? You've, been on, you've been on some 50cc mopeds, and you've been riding that, but then you jump on, on a real bike. And you go, I got it, I got it, as you're going down the road with your feet hanging off the back. And then, you know, and your, and your hand got clamped and you can't even let go of the throttle. Right? So you think you have it under control. Peter and John, after being filled with the Holy Spirit and receiving a newness in faith, desire and power come across the man begging at the gate. So Peter and John, who, who, who recently... Recently, we just read about this last week, recently encountered the Holy Spirit in such a way that they're walking in authority and power all of a sudden, right? They're walking in the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit. They're, they're walking in a newness in their faith and a newness in their desires, a newness in their authority that, that God has given them by baptizing them and filling them with the Holy Spirit in this moment, so much so that they couldn't even contain themselves, that, that Peter, uh, the previous cusser and denier of Christ, rolled out of that house and began preaching and 3,000 people got saved, right? Peter is walking in a new authority, and, and in this moment, they come across this man who needed change change in his life they come across this man who's laying at the gate named beautiful and and they 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 he says i need change in my life change for the poor can you spare just a little change for me today the man was begging for change but didn't even know what kind of change he was getting ready to experience he was begging for enough change just to get him by peter said let's go back to the scripture for a moment Peter looks at the man, and he says, and I can imagine, you know Peter was a fisherman, right? Right? We got a commercial fisherman in the house. P Peter was, was a fisherman. How many of you know Peter was probably loud? Peter was probably forceful in how he spoke. 
He was used to telling the men, cast the nets, pull the nets, help me, grab it over here, do this, do that, right? He was, he was forceful, and he talked loud. And Peter, walking in this new authority, looks down at the man and says, hey, look at us. Can you imagine the man with a crowd coming through, and he's like, alms for the poor, alms for the poor. Can, can you spare, sir, can you spare some change? Can you spare some change for me? And these people are walking through, and maybe a couple of people are dropping a couple of small coins in his cup, and people are moving through, and they're dropping small coins, and he's saying, just spare enough change for me just to get through the day. And then in the middle of all of that, Peter says, look at us. You can imagine the people going, oh. People start walking on the other side, moving through the gate a little quicker. But the lame man went and snapped to attention. The first thing God will require in your life to transition you is your attention. Oftentimes, well, God, God will get your attention in the wildest of ways. God will sometimes get your attention in the worst of ways. If you haven't listened to him, He'll get your attention in the worst of ways sometimes. God will oftentimes get your attention using those external factors that we talked about. When your internal factors haven't been dealt with privately, then God will move them to publicly so that he can deal with them with external factors because he loves you too much than to leave you in your mess. He would rather you be uncomfortable than continuing to walk uh, in apathy in your mess. He would rather you be uncomfortable in that moment. And, and, and so God, the first thing God will require from you, if, if he's going to bring real and lasting change into your life, is your attention. Then Peter says this. Peter says, silver and gold I do not have. He says, look at me. Silver and gold I don't have. Can I tell you today, church, that change or transition doesn't always come in the way you expect it. The man was expecting that maybe one day somebody would drop enough in that cup that he wouldn't have to beg for a few months. Maybe one day somebody would drop enough in that cup that he could take a weekend off. Maybe one day somebody would drop enough in that cup so that he didn't have to beg for a year. If you just drop enough in the cup. But in this moment, he met two Holy Ghost-filled preachers who walked into the temple, who recognized that God wanted to do something different in his life than what he has always been doing. He was not ready for the kind of change that was coming. It was coming in a way that he did not expect. How many of you know there's, there's blessings and there's miracles? There's a difference between blessings and miracles. And sometimes we get it twisted. Sometimes we'll call a blessing a miracle right? Blessings fulfill a need or empower you to prosper you in the moment. Blessings will prosper you and change your situation in the moment. Miracles, on the other hand, suspend natural law to do something supernatural for you. You know what the difference is between something that, that, that just suspends uh, your need for the moment and something that radically changes your life? Both are acts of God, but miracles can only come from God. A lot of us will bless somebody as an act of God, but when God wants to bestow a miracle on somebody's life, all, all the glory only comes from God because God is the only one who can suspend natural law in your situation and do something supernatural for you. I wonder how many people in this room today need a supernatural move of God in your moment.
come from it. people were just begging for a little more change. And Jesus said, oh, you want some change? Here's some change. And he spit in your eye. And you used to be blind, but now you can see. (laughs) Oh, you want some change? I'll give you some change. Let me see your ears. Boom. Oh, what, you can hear now? Yeah, that's because I'm Jesus. Jesus showed up in people's lives when they least expected it. Now, Peter and John and the rest of the spirit-filled church are following suit. And they're beginning to see miracles pour out of the church just the way that Jesus set it up. Just the way that Jesus designed it to. They're starting to see this happen. And then uh, next, the transition in this moment, in this story, and in your own life requires a moment of faith. Peter said, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. In the name, just in case you get it confused and you think I'm talking about Jesus on the block, I want you to know I'm talking about Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The one you you shouted to crucify him, right, that one. Oh, yeah, the one you thought was blasphemy, yeah, that one. Uh, His name, the Son of God. I'm speaking his name over you.
a chance to preach the gospel. All these people ran to Peter and John and said, that's the guy. That's, wait a minute. That's the guy who was strung out on cracks. But he's fine. What? That's the that's the guy who was in church and then something happened in his life and he fell out and he didn't go back to church and next thing you know he was living a life full of corruption and sin. That's a guy. But he's he's standing there proclaiming the word of God. What? That's a guy who was sick in his body and everybody thought he was going to die. And then God moved on him and God uh, uh, created a miracle that happened in his life and he's walking in the door. 